Hello, everyone. Welcome to Out of Crazy Town, your guide to divorcing a narcissist. I have an amazing guest on today. I'm super excited about Dr. Justine Weber. Welcome, Dr. Justine Weber. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to have you. You are a doctor of psychology, and you and I are our colleagues, but we uh, had the luxury of having a conversation recently. And I love your expertise on narcissism. And I want to give you credit for titling today's episode, Understanding Narcissism, Getting Clarity from Confusion, because confusion is an overriding theme in narcissistic <laughs> abuse. Would you agree with that? hundred <laughs> percent. It's usually always, I always say, if you say weird or if you're confused, stop right there. <laughs> yep. That. yep. Yep. We've all, or many of us have heard the term you're in a fog, you're uh, whatnot. So I think it's super important because we can never have enough conversations for those people, maybe specifically going through a divorce uh, with someone who probably has narcissistic personality disorder or was in a relationship and is leaving. There are so many things that happen to our bodies, that happen to our brains, that we don't know why we stayed. We don't know so many aspects. And you and I started to touch on these. And I said, my audience needs to hear this. So thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. I love um, I love this topic. <laughs> good, good, good. Well, I know, except we were talking for hours and I'm like, okay, we're going to stop and share this with the audience. So, um, so I wanted to let everyone know, first of all, I know I just mentioned you're a doctor of psychology. You do have a practice called Serene Shift out of Newport Beach, correct? Yes. Okay. So within there, I know you treat trauma, anxiety, couples counseling. What else do you want people to know in terms of what you usually treat in your practice? Yeah. So I, um, I just see adults. I think the youngest person I've seen is, you know, probably about 18. You know, I see some 20 year olds, but you know, the typical patient I see, you know, weekly is really, you know, a female between the ages of, you know, 25 and maybe like 55 initially started my practice specializing in, um, anxiety, panic attacks, um, some OCD depression, but it's kind of transitioned more into, kind of like trauma that the biggest, you know, the typical patient calls and they're just like, I am so unhappy. I, I, I don't know what this is, but I, I can't keep feeling like this and I just need help. And so whether it's like dealing with past trauma or maybe a bad breakup or a job transition or just sadness, it's just getting more and more difficult to function. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of help them move through that and like develop healthy tools and kind of shift their mindset into a different way of thinking. Um, I work with um, all my patients with like problem solving skills and how to 
really reduce anxiety in your life and how to kind of get clear of like, what is it that you're, what's the problem you're trying to solve here? Um, and then I do a little bit of testing too, I must say. Oh. Um, not a lot, but okay. I am certified with that. I mean, the most, I would say the typical thing is somebody comes to me with anxiety, they think it's anxiety and I'm seeing them. And after a few weeks, I'm like, I wonder if it might be an underlying ADD. Mm. And so um, that would be important to tease out uh, in terms of the treatment. So I'll do a few tests on them to confirm a diagnosis, just like computer tests. Sure. Yeah. And then I see couples. Awesome. And Jude, I see you also have a podcast. I did do a few podcasts um, at the beginning, just kind of you know, just to help uh, patients just with kind of basic anxiety, tools okay. and strategies, depression, understanding uh, the brain and how we, you know, form thoughts, uh, mindfulness stuff, things like that. But yeah, okay. it's not like an ongoing. <laughs> gotcha. Well, great. I mean, at sereneshift.com, correct? That is the website? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, yep. for folks that do even want to hear those topics, even if they're only a few episodes, super helpful. So they can go to sereneshift.com and find those. Um, and then I know, Justine, you have a coaching perspective or, or, or part of your practice. Can you tell me more about that? Yes. So I recently launched about, I want to say about a year ago. Uh, this is really where my passion is. This is where I come to life. Um, you know, in my practice, I noticed, you know, more and more people I was working with where they maybe had a partner who was, you know, like narcissistic or maybe a boss or a father, and they were just struggling. I mean, as everyone knows, it like ruins lives. And mm. so I just noticed that that's where I became so passionate. It was so rewarding for me to empower women mm -hmm. to develop skills and strategies to heal really well from these like relationships or just to like detach from this. Ah, um, good point. You know, create the understanding of what, you know, what is this, how to handle it. So I can't remember when I got the idea, but it just became such an interest to me. And I looked into it and, you know, I was like, wow, could you be a psychologist and a coach? Like, yes, you, know, you can. <laughs> I, I know. You know, I was like, huh, that's, that's interesting. So I ended up speaking to a woman, she was both, she was a psychologist and a coach. Her coaching business was something a little bit different, but I just kind of was asking her questions. I'm like, why would you do this? Like, mm -hmm. what are the advantages from a business perspective? So she was helping me understand it. And um, I thought, gosh, you know, this is, this could be really cool. I could work with women anywhere, not just in California. Right. And, Certain um, laws and regulations yes. surrounding that. Okay. Gotcha. And just really like honing in. So, um, yeah, so I launched it, I, I guess it was maybe about a year ago. So I, okay. you know, I just work with women and really, uh, women who have left. Um, I work with some women who are about to leave, but, uh, that's really right. where I've honed in on is women who have left. And I, work with them on, you know, healing, empowering themselves, reconnecting with their core self, you know, from this place of strength. These are all just amazing women, I must say. I love I, all of them. <laughs> I totally agree. I always tell my clients who are, you know, victims of narcissistic abuse, there's a common thread throughout all of them. They're extremely intelligent. They're amazing. They're, they're empathetic. They're Kind, ha they're ladies. happy when they find themselves again. They're happy. They're kind. And so it is such a pleasure and an honor to meet each and every one of these women. Yeah. 
because it is a common theme. And I, I, you know, I would say it's a sick joke that it's a, or a sick compliment, you know, when you've been targeted by someone with a personality disorder like this, because it means you're amazing. That's who they go after. It does. Yeah. They just don't know it yet. And so it's only during the healing. And then you're like, yeah. wow, it yeah. wasn't me. It's actually them. And I'm pretty awesome. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So awesome. And so really quick and going back to the coaching, I know you kind of started recently a couple of social media platforms that you're trying to reach people with. What, what, where are you? So, um, so my website is Dr. Justine Weber and it's with one B J U S T I N E W E B E R. And then I have a TikTok and Instagram. Uh, oh, and, and Facebook. Okay. for this coaching business. And it's really fun. I, um, I don't take credit. I ended up hiring a marketing company because I had no idea what I was doing with social media. And so I smart. Like, I think I need their number. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> it's just uh, really kind of daily tips, tools, strategies, things to so think about exciting. with gaslighting and how can you point out signs early on yes. from behavior that you see, or even like, you know, what somebody says or body language or their words, you know, oh. um, even on a first date, I mean, you can kind of pick out things on a first date, like how somebody drives, how they treat the server, you know, things like that. So it's a really I, fun platform yeah. and it's really just kind of geared to day-to-day quick tips on how to heal, how to understand this, how to sharpen your radar and really how to connect with people in a healthy way. Awesome. Oh my gosh, I love it. Okay, so I'm so excited to check those out. So kind of getting back to our topic, we're getting clarity from confusion here. Um, one of the things that you and I had talked about was why we need to call it narcissism. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so um, I guess first off, I'd like to preface that in no way am I suggesting to any of your listeners to call a narcissist a narcissist. No, right. no, 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 no. That right. is a very, very bad thing to do. Um, they don't care and it's probably going to make your life worse. So yep. what I mean is when you start to notice things, and this is why it's so important to understand it better of really what it is, what the you know symptoms are, what the behaviors are, what the interpersonal um, traits are, what the you know dis regulation and um, all of that to really understand it. So people around you, whether it's a partner or a boss or a friend or a cousin or anybody, you identify it. Mm -hmm. And I, I just, I have like no tolerance how people are like hesitant to just call it narcissism because it's like, well, but that's mean or we just don't know. And you're not diagnosing somebody. This is a way to describe somebody, you know, just like if I were to say that you're kind, you know, and so it, it's just a way to describe somebody. But when you say it and you identify it and you educate yourself, then you're, you put yourself in a much better place to respond more appropriately and respond from a place of strength because you can actually predict behavior. Yes. <laughs> when you really understand 100 what you're dealing with like like people always say that, you know, narcissists are unpredictable are unpredictable. No, they're actually not. They're, they're actually, actually very predictable when yes, you really they are. understand and you get their brain and their mindset. It's not a surprise when they shift blame, when they accuse you, when they act out, when they tantrum, you know, when they yeah. um all of it is actually very predictable. So you can just prepare yourself better and make decisions that are better for you. Healthier. Yeah, it is. Knowledge truly is power in this arena. And it does give you tools because 
I think as many of us are learning to build boundaries again after being in these relationships, mm -hmm. that education of A, what you went through, but the B, when you're back out in the world, in anywhere, like you said, a boss, a, a relative, a friend, um, and you start to put together two and two, like, oh, th that is, those are the traits that person has also. And you get to start making really good educated decisions. I'm not going to have them in my life anymore. Yes. Or I'm going to have more boundaries around that person. Or, And so it really does give you tools you need to learn, educate, identify, and be an expert, become an expert. Or adjust your expectations with this like relationship. Mm. You know, good. And, yeah. You know, good your, your uh, communication with this person is going to be different. You know, don't personalize things that they, you know, blame you or, you know, things like that. And so your life can actually be a lot better, you know, if you just use these like really simple tools and it really is, I mean, I'd have to say once you really, I mean, I don't know about you, but uh, about a year ago I was listening to, it was like a, one of these like Netflix things and he was dealing with it, um, a psychopath, which all psychopaths are like narcissistic, right? But not all narcissists are psychopathics. So True. he referred to it as an awakening, which I thought was a really interesting way of looking at it. He said, when I woke up and I finally realized like what this was, it was just this moment of like, oh my gosh, <laughs> wow. You know, it's like you piece everything together and everything makes sense when you're yes. in it and you don't know. And it's this cloud. That's where everything is just like, it's so confusing. Like, what's yeah. wrong with me? Second guessing. You're in this fog. But it's like when you really see it, you feel like you're the only one when you're in it and you don't understand what it is. And you're constantly yes. blaming yourself and second guessing. But then when you kind of detach from that and you see it clearly, yeah, everything makes sense. And it's more like a template because yes. they all do yes. the yes. same things. <laughs> I love the awakening analogy because I kind of always say like everyone remembers they where they were when 9-11 happened. Like, you know, if you were, mm -hmm. everyone remembers when they read about narcissism and they went, oh, that's what I've been dealing with. That's, it's a thing. Yes. It's a thing. And you're right. It just being able to call it something and and put it in a category and then realize a bunch of other people are dealing with it is such a sense of validation and relief. And so, yes, yes it's an it's awakening. It's empowering because then it's like, you know what it is. Kind of like if you you know were like diagnosed with cancer or somebody came to me with ADD, it's like you have to call it something. And then you're like, okay, these are the struggles that you have. And this is how you deal with it. You know, yeah. you're going to need accommodations during tests or... You're yeah. going to need, you know, um, possibly some like medication. It's like, there's a strategy. There's yeah. you know, finally like answers. And the interesting thing is, you know, when I was in graduate school, like I knew what narcissistic personality disorder was. I learned about it a hundred years ago and I, I knew all of the, you know, the criteria, superficiality and no empathy, blah, blah, blah. I knew all of that. I didn't understand what narcissism was until um, when I was going through my healing. Yeah. And it absolutely was one of those like flashbulb like moments where I was like, oh, yeah. oh my gosh. Yeah. Everything makes sense, you yes. know, and it's yes. like there's something about that of where the clarity, you know, this fog begins to like dissipate and you're just like, wow, it's very empowering. You know, you feel stronger, you know how to handle it. Mm -hmm. But I noticed that just people are nervous about calling it out, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and, and I'm just like, why? <laughs> you yeah. know? I have heard that comment before about it being mean to call someone nervous. I was like, huh? <laughs> 
Anyway, I, but if that's it's the really, truth, you it's know, funny that you say I mean, that because I actually specifically heard that once and was like, well, okay, I'm not, that's not processing. But anyway. but that's almost like enabling. Can you see how that's like enabling yes. like denial like that? How is that helping you? Absolutely. <laughs> that's enabling the narcissist by like, well, I don't know. Yes. It's not nice. We should sure. see the good in other people. Right, no, right. No, no. Yeah, yeah. I, that's what that's what got me into this mess in the first place. Yes. No, I'm kidding. No. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. But okay, so I we we also brought up a topic last time we talked that I'm super interested in. And it's about our bodies and listening to them and the good and the bad. And I'm just fascinated by this. And so I'm so happy that you're gonna talk on this topic. So what do you have to say about that? Oh, yeah. So um I use the body nervous system strategies in my practice every day. I started doing that from the very beginning because it was so literally life-changing for me when I began to uh, become more attuned to my body during my healing. And kind of like one of those flashbulb, you know, like moments where I was like, wow, 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 wow. When I look back and remember different periods of my life, you know, I'm like, my body was giving me all the answers the whole time. I just wasn't listening. I didn't know how to, you know, and it's just what happens when you're in relationships like this, you disconnect, you disassociate, you're in denial, you're in fight or flight. So there really is this like disconnection, even though your body really is the whole time giving you the answers Mm -hmm. that where it's like, hello, this is unsafe. This is toxic. This is bad for you. So I incorporate uh, body work. I use primary emotions all the time, which are, well, there's a lot of them, but the main ones that I use is anger, fear, sadness, um, joy, and disgust. And so primary emotions are in all human beings and they, we have them for survival. They give Mm -hmm. us information. And so when maybe you're getting activated, okay, or like triggered, you become triggered, you know, first step is, okay, in the moment, this is an opportunity to lean in, uh, what primary emotion are you noticing? Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times I'll hear, you know, frustration, or irritation, or feeling overwhelmed. Okay, those are not primary emotions. Those are inhibitory ones. Hmm. Underneath that, let's peel away what primary emotion. And, you know, it's, I would say, typically it's fear, um, sadness, or or anger. Yeah. Are probably like the typical ones. And so sadness, we oftentimes um, feel in our throats, you know? Mm -hmm. And fear, we oftentimes experience in our belly. So this is like that kind of where you feel like somebody punched you, you know, you get a text message and you're triggered or an email or your ex, you know, is near you and you just feel it in your stomach of like, again, my body was telling me this the whole for so many years. And I had no idea because I just became so good at disconnecting. (laughs) I was like the queen at disconnecting and disassociating, you know, being in like denial. And so um, I was going through my stuff. I, I just, I mean, I had incredible stomach problems. You know, I was losing hair and, you know, sleep problems, you know, you oftentimes have bowel um, problems. It it just, I mean, it really affects your body because your body's saying, I don't feel safe. This is bad. This is toxic. So uh, going back to the sensations and then you shift down and in your chest area, this is, you know, I would say sadness as well. Uh, But we really carry emotions everywhere. And then anger is oftentimes this kind of like, you know, where you're, you know, you feel it kind of more in this area and it's like this, 
like kind the of neck, like upper shoulders, kind of. kind of, yeah. And so when I work with all my patients, I started incorporating this uh, with patients who have anxiety and panic attacks. Okay. Because these are ways to regulate the nervous system, calm the brain, balance out the brain. Okay. You can shift from being in the amygdala, which is fight or flight, where this is like attack mode, you're protecting yourself, but you can't think clearly mm-hmm. when you're in fight or flight, when you're no. activated, when you're angry. And so when you use these tools and strategies, which are really simple, and then some breath work, you can regulate you know, the brain and actually your amygdala calms down and you can operate from your prefrontal cortex. So you can make decisions yeah. better. You can see things more clearly. You're not activated and sending off that text or doing something that's going to hurt you later. Right. You know? So what I usually do is I, you know, I start with patients and I'm like, okay, you know, if something comes up in the session where I, you know, they start crying or something, I'll say, okay, in this moment, describe the sensations in your throat, just the sensations, not any thoughts or anything like that. So okay. ideas would be like, okay, it's, it feels, um, tight. It's dry. I feel a knot in my throat. Mm-hmm. Okay. What type of weight would the knot be? Is it like a pebble? Is it a marble? Is it like a rock? Like what type of a uh, weight is it? Maybe a pebble. Okay. On a scale from zero to 10, 10 being the most, how would you rate the sensations right now of this rock? And they might say six. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any temperature in your throat? No, it's room temperature. Shift down to the chest. Same thing. Is it pulsating? Is it heavy? Is it tight? Can you feel your heart you know, pounding? Is there a weight? Yes, there's a weight. Is it maybe a hand? Is it a book? Is it, you know, a rock? And so when we're sad or scared, we typically, you know, it's almost like this, you know, brick or like book size, almost Mm -hmm. in like rectangle. Yes. Right on your chest. I agree with that. Yes. And so, you know, again, rate it you know, maybe a five and then shift down to the belly. Is it empty? Is it hollow? Does it feel like somebody's pinching something? Is it, um, do you feel like nauseous, anything like that? So you're just describing in the moment what you notice and feel. So, and saying it out loud is incredibly helpful too, because it kind of almost begins to kind of make that separation of like what I'm experiencing. I'm just noticing in the moment, I'm the observer of it, but it's not really like who I am. I'm just noticing it in the this moment and it's going to pass. And so creating that um, separation. So these are really cool strategies. And then there's some breath work as well. And these are ways. And then after the tools, I'll go back and, and we'll start from the throat and the chest and the belly and they'll rate it. And almost every time it's a little bit less, Wow, which is what you want to aim for. Just slightly less where it's more yes. manageable, not yes. like it goes away. If you're feeling scared, okay. That's fine. You don't have to make that go away, but lean in. What is your body telling you? What do you need right now? What is this fear about? Do you feel unsafe? What do you think you are needing right now? Why is your body telling you this? So these Absolutely. are all lifelong. I mean, even for kids. I yes. mean, could you imagine if you learned this in school? Uh, oh no. I mean, it would be amazing. <laughs> and like we said earlier, it's information. And when you become so aware of what your body's doing, then you're like, oh, it's not like just happening to you. You're like, okay, it's happening, but I'm going to start. It's like, it's kind of like talking about the elephant in the room. <laughs> 
Now I'm going to start noticing it and talking about it and calling it what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And then you can begin to make, um, you know, like decisions Mm -hmm. from a better place because in the moment, if you're triggered, I mean, everybody knows what that feels like when you're triggered and you just feel like you're falling apart. It very much, the brain goes to this place of like all or nothing thinking like, yes, um, this is never going to pass. It's always going to be like this. It's going to get worse. Everything is terrible. And so when you do these strategies and you kind of lean in and you actually connect and try to understand what is my body telling me and you lessen the sensations of it it's just giving you information like why am i afraid in this moment does it really um match my experience what i'm going through right now almost every Uh, time the answer is no it doesn't Our body, this goes back to survival. I mean, everything always goes back to survival. You know, yes. if, you know, when we lived outside with animals, if there was a, you know, a bear behind us or a lion, our body just naturally responds appropriately because our nervous system picks up on things in the environment that normally our brain would not. Right. And it has to immediately respond. And so your body would just be flooded with cortisol and adrenaline and you would have the energy to start running. That almost never really actually happens to us now. That's just not right. like, you know, it's like we've evolved, but our nervous system is the same. It's so true. We've are because of the way we've evolved in society, we've confused our nervous system so much because I say nowadays, a text from your ex, your brain is makes it equivalent of a lion chasing you. Yeah, yes, and it's not yes. you're not going to die. <laughs> if you stay in front of the lion, you might, but you're not going to die from the text. But yes. we so we have to think our way out of that. And it's like, we're trying to think our way out of millions of years of DNA programming, but we need to, otherwise we're hostage to this. Totally. These are, you know, and so these tools and strategies that are really, you know, simple are just kind of ways, you know, again, to lean into your nervous system and, you know, brain and calm it. Like, you know, I'm safe. I'm okay. Thank you, body. Thank you, brain, for giving me this information, but I'm safe. I'll take it from here. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. This is kind of shifting gears. One thing I hear a lot from clients is, I don't know why I didn't leave earlier, or I just wish I would have left earlier, but it was hard. And I haven't really thought through why I didn't. It's just a lot of questions around that. Like for my kids, would it have been better for you? Just a lot of questions sort of blaming or shaming themselves. And you and I touched on this, you know, back when we talked too, but why is it that we stay in these relationships so long? In fact, I see this pattern a lot of 16 to 18 year marriages. I get that number a lot. I don't know what that's about. I'll have to research that on a different podcast, but they're long-term marriages or relationships with people like this. Why is that? Could not agree more. I've never heard a woman, even like a personal friend. I have friends who have, you know, gone through this, friends, colleagues, clients, any person I work with, it's always the same thing. I should have left sooner. Yeah. Why did I stay so long? You know, and then it's like that blame, you know, that like, gosh, I, I should have seen this. I should have known. I, why didn't I see the signs? Well, those are not helpful questions and uh, they don't really have answers, but most importantly, they don't give you solutions, you know, or a place to actually grow. They just keep you stuck and make you feel bad, but they don't change anything or give you any more power or control. No, yeah, no, it it really does just keep you stuck. Like, why didn't I leave? Well, you didn't leave because you didn't (laughs) just keep it, keep it at that. Just give yourself grace because I didn't. Right. But I think, I mean, it is an interesting question why we get hooked and, and, and stay. Um, 
you know, I think the, you know, the first part, why we get hooked, you know, it really does have to do with this like charm. They're charming people. Narcissists are typically like they look good from the outside. They are well put together. They're successful. They, you know, intelligent and, you know, nice cars and they come across as confident. Mm -hmm. And very sadly, it depends on what theorists you go through, but there's a a number of different theories and I kind of like to combine them, but I believe that as a nation, we are actually insecure and I Mm -hmm. think it's getting worse. And so for the victims, I believe that, you know, if you were a very secure, confident person, then Mm -hmm. you wouldn't really need somebody to, to, to be kind of in awe with, or for them to give you a compliment. And you're like, wow, you know, to feel good about yourself. It's like, you just are, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think there is that piece of it where it is insecurity, you know, when, you know, you kind of look up to somebody who seems like they've got it all together. And, you know, but the interesting thing is, um, I think it's Sandra Brown. She does a lot of um, research too. And she says that actually the majority of the victims she has noticed actually are secure. Okay. She says like over 60% um, are secure. She places a lot more um, value on personality traits of the victim, which is agreeableness and conscientiousness. Mm. And that I would agree to. I, I yeah. feel like it's a bit of a, it's a high number to say that 60% are secure, but, but I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I personally haven't really seen that. I would say it's more. Yeah. Insecure. I could see why you're like, yeah, you like agreed a little bit. It's a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I, yeah. yes, yes. There's just so many, you know, factors, but I do absolutely agree with the personality traits of the victims going, going back to earlier in the podcast. Like they're all women that are agreeable. They're easygoing, flexible. Yes. They're, yes. They're, they're not difficult. They're conscientious. They yes. you know like to be good. They like to do things well. They like to keep trying. And so yeah. they all have very consistent is what I've noticed personality traits for sure. Yeah. And so it just becomes almost like this perfect dynamic where, right. you know, we, you know, if we're insecure and we're agreeable and conscientious and we look up to them, it's like this, wow. And so there is that piece of why we get hooked and then why we stay. It's really interesting too. I think there's, there's a lot of reasons. And so So I think for women, when you stay for a long period of time and you're invested, like nobody gets in a relationship, nobody gets married, nobody moves in with somebody thinking this is never going to work out. (laughs) When is my exit plan? This marriage on your wedding day, this is, we are definitely going to end in a divorce. Like it never happens. So for women, it's like this hope, this dream, this like fantasy of like, you know, this is going to be amazing, you know, and they're presenting as just so well put together. Mm-hmm. And so further down the road, maybe a few months, six months, a year, you're clearly seeing signs now, like red flags. Yeah. And so it's this thing of denial, you know, denial sure. plays such a huge piece of it. It really does. I was, I mean, in the dictionary under denial, it probably had a picture of my face. (laughs) Right next to mine. (laughs) Right next to mine. It had a picture of my face. It's like, I just became so committed to denial, you know? And so it's just this combination of like, you know, you have these personality traits where you want them to be a good person. I mean, the really interesting thing of this is like, we 
want to believe that they're good people. Yeah. We want to believe that they can change. We want to believe that they're an awesome husband. They, on the other hand, want us to believe that we are less than. They want us to believe that we are... <laughs> that is so thing. profound. It's yes. so fascinating. They need us to, to keep us in that spot. And you're right. The architecture of the relationship is so deliberate because... It's so amazing in the beginning that when it starts to deteriorate, you are denial. And then you're just so hopeful it's going to go back to that. And if you just try a little harder, maybe on your end and give them a little break and give them a little room and give, (laughs) he's been really stressed out and he's really stressed with his job and all of those things. If I had a nickel for every time I said that, you know, and, and, and so it's like this combination of like this hope and this like denial and, you know, hanging on to these, you know, few good times and um, dopamine plays a huge role. Okay. I love this. Okay. Yes, please proceed. When you, so when we connect with a narcissist, like dopamine and oxytocin are present, you know, through like trauma bonding and everything when we're connected with a person. And the interesting thing about dopamine is, you know, again, going back to survival, it's there to really motivate us Mm -hmm. to keep trying. So dopamine is about craving, wanting, imagining, you know, this, it's like planning this fun trip, this Uh hope, this, oh my gosh, you know, when you meet some handsome guy, it's like, oh, and just this fantasy of, you know, we could be together. And so dopamine is very much part of addiction. It, it feels good, but it motivates you. It really drives you and thinking, wanting, craving. I've never heard it described like that. Okay. That makes so much sense. So serotonin is about, you know, here and now, like, like this, you know, is serotonin. It's present, you know, it feels good. It's about connection, but dopamine is about craving, wanting. And so the interesting thing about dopamine is like, not to bore your listeners, but it might put things into perspective. So going back to like the caveman days when say we lived outside and we're like walking forever and we're hungry and we think, gosh, I could actually die if I don't find food. This is like really scary. And you're walking forever and you're like, wait, what is that over there? And behind this bush is this like juicy piece of steak. So when you see this, it's the element of surprise and unexpected dopamine floods your brain and, uh, and acetylcholamine. And the purpose is for you to remember every aspect of the location of where you found this. Oh my gosh. And dopamine. I want more of this. I have to have this. I want more. Wow. And so it actually motivates you to want more of this fascinating thing. It's about unexpected and surprise. Oh, So what is this? What does this sound like, right? Yeah. Like bombing and the yes. honeymoon stage. And, and so, you know, this is like the typical example might be, you know, the woman where, you know, she's in it for maybe a year and she's like, wow, this is, this is unhealthy. I want out. You know, she leaves. He love bombs her. He shows up, you know, at the house and he's like, hey, I have these tickets to Hawaii. She's been talking about this for months we're staying at, you know, the Four Seasons, you know, I've got tickets to the opera, everything she dreamed of. Her release of dopamine in that moment, the fact that it's unexpected and surprise is probably equivalent to like cocaine. I yeah. mean, it's that much like, <gasps> wow. And the interesting thing about dopamine is when it's unexpected and surprise like that, the amount of dopamine, we misplace the value of what is in front of us. If that makes sense, it's like, it totally like does more value of like, 
oh my gosh, this is amazing. It makes it, so much sense. I did not understand the surprise aspect, yeah, the, surprise the level aspect of it, mm -hmm. the level of dopamine, the how that programs. Okay, wow. And then acetylcholine too, which is interesting. Like acetylcholine is there for it's almost kind of like a flashlight target of like remembering every aspect. Again, it goes back to survival. I have to remember like where the tree was, or you know, is this east or west? Yeah. Or, you know, the sand over here and there was a rock here. So your memory of taking in every aspect of what this is, is heightened. Okay. And again, it doesn't really like make sense with what you're actually dealing with, but it yeah. feels like it is, you know? Yeah. And, so, and, and so this is very much directly correlated with your decision-making and how you are going to behave. So intermittent um, reinforcement, I'm sure a lot of your listeners know, is this idea of it predicts behavior. So the idea is, um, it goes back to psychology of the slot machines. And so slot machines, because it is intermittent when you're going to win, it's mm. like you might win on the third time, the seventh time, the 12th time, 16th time, it's random. So research shows that it's this sort pattern of where it's intermittent. You don't know when you're going to okay. win. Okay. Is what keeps people from trying and wanting more. It's this hope of like next time, next time. Okay. And then when you get it, and guess what? It's a surprise. You're like, oh my gosh. And then you want more. Mm. And so this plays out every time with these relationships. Wow. And you know, I've heard the slot machine sort of analogy before, but again, Justine, this is so brilliant because not in that fashion. It it, it it's the reason you sit through all the times you don't win. And the reason you sit through all the crap, because you're like hoping for the jackpot win, you exactly. know, as an analogy in your relationship. And then finally one comes in and you like you said, it's a surprise. It's a relief. The dopamine, the like, whew, and you're back on the roller coaster. You're so excited to just keep trying and yeah. continue to keep getting hurt. And, you know, and the other thing I wanted to bring up about the why we stay too is it is this piece of um, there's boundary crossing and you take it. And then there's more pushing the boundaries and you take more. Uh -huh. because you want them to be a better person and they've been stressed out at work, right? And so they keep pushing the boundaries more and more. And so it's almost like because it's very slow growing, it's harder to see how far the boundaries have been pushed. 100%. And really kind of like your tolerance yep. becomes not stronger, but <laughs> I don't even know what the word is. We have more tolerance for more pain and yeah. suffering. Yep. Oh, it, it absolutely makes so much sense. And so then why does it get worse when you finally leave? So what is that about? So yeah, post-separation abuse mm -hmm. is very real. Yep. And it oftentimes does get worse after you leave. You know, you're dealing with a narcissist where at the core, they're insecure, uh, they're entitled. And so it's a huge blow to their ego when you leave. Mm -hmm. Because from their mindset, it's like, but I'm amazing and you're less than, that's not possible for you to leave me. And so they, you know, it just almost, you know, from their mindset, it becomes this punishment, this revenge. And so what you typically see, you know, is smear campaigns, expect the worst. They're going to directly um, turn your friends and family against you. They're going to negatively talk about you, social media, posting things, lies, exaggeration. They want to bring you down. They want to punish you and mm -hmm. hurt you because 
you were a blow to their ego. And yeah. so they want you to feel the same. And so they're going to be gossiping, maybe stalking, um, attacking yes. you through text message, email. Uh, they use money to cut off the bank accounts, use legal stuff in courts of drawing out really, really lengthy like battles. I knew this woman who, oh my gosh, it was just incredibly, incredibly sad, but uh, it was over five years and she could not finalize. She kept going back to court and every time it was just like, whatever, I don't know, like let's, okay, next, next court date. And you know, of course, every time she would go to court, she had PTSD. So it's like her nervous system, she was losing her hair, becoming very thin and he would not finalize. And so there was no financial agreement of like her alimony. So he was paying her rent. That was it. And it's like, she just wanted to move on with her life. She wanted to like move, um, you know, to a different state and start over and start a business. And he was like, nope. And he had all the money in the world to rack up millions of dollars in attorney fees Mm -hmm. to punish her, Mm -hmm. you know? And Mm -hmm. it's just, there's no logic. It's so There's no logic. And that's what's so hard to wrap your head around. And then even in situations where they bailed, they, there's still almost this, the woman's being left, but they start to go, okay, I'm going to move on. And they're like, oh no, you're not. Mm -hmm. Even though they've done the leaving, they're the ones that left the family. There's the ones that had the affair. There is still that mentality. And that's like so mind blowing because it's like, why not just move on? You got a girlfriend, you got a new life. You know what? Great. (laughs) But it's the fact that you're like, fine, great. I just, let's just have this over with and move on. No, they can't even take that. Mm-mm. No, because they want you to keep crawling back to them. Yes. Because you're less than them. Yes. And when you're not, even though they left or ruined things, it's like, wait, what? Yep. You know, their, their ego, they're entitled. It makes them look bad. And and, and so it, it just, I mean, I've just heard horrific stories from women. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, the stalking can be incredibly yes. scary for sure. And so for women, you know, it's almost like expect the worst, have a plan of how you're going to manage things, you know, through your attorney, have a plan. Um, If he is stalking you or you feel scared, go to the police, you know, don't think twice about it, like protect yourself. Having a support system is probably one of the most important. You have to have your friends and family in your circle to talk to and yep. to, you know, feel safe and to help you through this, having a support system of people just who understand and are going to be on your side and um, right to get you through it. It's probably one of the most helpful, but I think having a plan is really probably the most important because a lot for a lot of women, I mean, for me, I was kind of like, wait, wait, what? Like, what is this? Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> you know, I wish I, I wish I had a plan. hundred <laughs> percent. And you know, it kind of feeds back into the stain, um, you know, in the relationship, because I always, you know, ask women, like, didn't you have a hunch? Like you didn't know maybe what it was and you'd never heard of post-separation abuse, but something deep down inside you told you it was going to be horrific when you left. You didn't know why, how, how they're going to execute it. You just knew there was going to be a major punishment. And they said, yeah, yeah, you know what? You're right. I did. I just knew there was going to be kind of a, how dare you? I'd never articulated it or thought it through, but yeah. You just felt it. It's kind of like brace yourself. It's going to get back. But there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Even if this is like a few years, there is a light at the end of the tunnel and it will pass. And through this process, you're healing, strengthening yourself. You're going to live a much better life. And you know, I have to say just in the last five years from my divorce till now, 
I'm so excited because there are more yous, more me's, more, there is more and more support every day, every yes. week, every year that goes by and more awareness. And so I am so excited for women now. Um, and it's still not nearly enough. We haven't scratched the surface, but there is a groundswell of support happening. People getting educated, people starting businesses to, to yes. help other, you know, people, other women. And so, yeah, just start Googling, start researching, find whoever is going to work for you and help you and support you. It's true. There is so much information and it's free Yeah, online, YouTube, social media, TikTok, yes. Instagram, you know, even just buying courses, um, books. I mean, there's so much information out there and it's free and it can be so useful and help you through this process. Absolutely. Well, I'm just so happy you exist because <laughs> it is so rare. I am shocked after I got into this business and, and just went through what I went through. I was shocked at how many therapists or psychologists did not truly understand narcissistic personality disorder and not just the disorder of reading it in a book, but what they're truly capable of in a relationship uh, and the person that they've chose, chosen as their victim. And then things like post-separation abuse. Yeah, um, it's, you're, you're kind of a unicorn. And the fact that you now have this coaching aspect and you're, I'm super excited for people that are listening to this, please look up Dr. Justine Weber. And so it's drjustineweber.com. Yes, Dr. Justine Weber with one B for Weber.com. Mm -hmm. okay. And then I'm on uh, TikTok and Instagram and Facebook. Awesome. Oh my gosh. I'm so, yes, please look her up, educate yourself, get some support. There are, there are you people out there. You, you can't do help. this alone. <laughs> and educate, educate, educate yourself for all the reasons that we talked about today. Yes. Um, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom. I'm a nerd, so I love, I'm fascinated by all the dopamine stuff and acetylcholine. I've heard, haven't heard that since college, but, but it, it just, it makes so much sense. And I think when you understand what your body's doing and why you're reacting that way, again, it's just knowledge is just power mm -hmm. and it pulls a little bit of the power away from them. Yes. You can respond more you appropriately. You can respond. You can Just respond. You. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, for, for many, many reasons. And so I really appreciate it. Thank you, Dr. Justine. You're welcome. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I appreciate uh, being on your podcast. Great. Thanks so much. Okay. Hopefully we'll talk soon. Okay. Thanks. Bye-bye. Okay,